Welcome to the Allie on the Run show. I'm your host, Allie Feller, and this is a very special episode of the show because this is Allie on the Run show live. I was thrilled to host the first live recording of the Alley on the Run show during Rock and Roll San Diego Marathon Weekend with an all-star panel. Meb Kaflesky, Andrea Barber, and Chris Heisler, plus a very special surprise guest. If you couldn't join us for the live show in San Diego, you get to listen to it right here, right now. Biggest thank you to Westin Hotels and Resorts and the Westin San Diego Gaslamp Quarter for hosting this event. It was the best day ever. Enjoy! How is everybody doing today? Oh, that's pretty good, that's good. Well, fantastic, thanks everyone for coming here to the Westin in San Diego and for the Alley on the Run show, the first ever live edition. So thanks everyone for coming. Obviously the food's awesome, hope you're enjoying it. Let me ask a quick question just to take a little poll. How many of you are running the race tomorrow? Raise your hands. Nice. Well, fantastic. Thanks for coming here first. Is anyone here just for this show, for the podcast? Oh, there's a lot of you. That's cool. Well, thanks for coming as well. So I'm going to give just a quick intro. My name's Brian. Allie is actually my wife and my favorite person on the planet. This is really special for me to be able to announce this and bring everyone out because this is the first live edition of the Allie on the Run show which is really incredible. She has the fastest growing podcast in this space, so it's really special for me to see how this has grown, how the show's taken off, and now seeing it here live, and thank you all for being a part of this. So give yourselves a round of applause for coming today. So Allie is, uh, she's a runner, she's my wife, she's one of the happiest people on the face of this planet, she is a journalist, a writer, Uh, she is a podcaster for two, and um, she is just an incredible human being, and I would love to bring her out for the first ever live Allie on the Run show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Allie. Thank you for the wonderful intro, Brian Bold, CEO. Since the day I launched the Allie on the Run show about a year and a half ago, I knew I wanted to do live events because I wanted to see all these beautiful faces in person. So thank you to all of you for making that happen. We wouldn't be here without all of you. And we certainly wouldn't be here without Weston. So huge thank you to Weston Hotels and Resorts and the Weston Gaslamp Quarter here in San Diego. I hope you're enjoying the, the wonderful food and beverages. With that, are you ready for this live show? I know you know who's back there. I know you know. I know you're not just here for me. So first, let me bring out, he is everyone's favorite runner, let's be honest. He is an Olympian. He has won both the New York City and the Boston Marathon. Please join me in welcoming Mr. Meb Kaplesky. <laughs> Sir, good morning. All right, Meb, have a seat. So normally on the Alley on the Run show, we start things off with what I call the warm-up. Because, I mean, you're a pro. Do you warm up before your runs? I do. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Me too. Totally. All right. So we've already warmed you up in the sense that they know who you are, where you're from, and what you do. But what I want to know is, when you were growing up, what was your favorite TV show? Uh, My family and I used to watch the Full House. Full House! (laughs) 
That's kind of perfect. Let's welcome our next guest, Andrea Barber. You know her as Kimmy Gibbler, and that's true, by the way. Good morning. Andrea, thank you for being here. Have a seat next to Mr. Meb Kaflesky. So, Andrea, as I was saying, we're warm. We're warmed up. Oh, yeah. We know who you are. We know where you're from. You know, we pretty vaguely know what you do. We may have all grown up alongside you, basically. <laughs> but let's ask you a fun question. Let's say, hypothetically, you're running the Rock and Roll San Diego Relay tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You get to pick anyone on the planet to be your partner. Now, Meb's taken. Oh, dang. He's taken. Dang. He's pacing people. So you could pick anyone else. Who do you pick as your relay partner? Des Linden. Also pacing. Oh, darn it. Not an option. Sorry. But you can have one more choice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, what about Mr. Run Weston himself, Chris Heisler? <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> this? Chris Heisler, ladies and gentlemen, he's the Global Run Weston Concierge, and he is Andrea's third choice as a relay partner. (laughs) Sorry, dude. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. All right, Chris, let's ask you a fun question. We haven't heard about Meb. What should people know about Coach Meb Kaflesky? He coaches the person before the runner. What does that mean? Tell us more. He's like Mr. Miyagi. You know, like Karate Kid, Ralph Macchio goes to learn about karate. He starts like cleaning walls. So Meb was like, you know, when he came over for dinner, he's like, you know, my, my wife Rachel's like, what are you going to do? And he's like, I'll teach him how to fold laundry a little better first. I'm like, what? Perfect. This is Can part of my training. My All right. So he coaches the person. <laughs> All right. So I think at first glance, you know, we're kind of a random crew here. We've got the Hollywood actress. We've got Marathon Man. We've got Mr. Charisma over here on the side. And then we've got a podcast host. But the thing is, we're not totally random. You all know each other. So I want to talk a little bit about that. So let's do you two first. Chris, Andrea, how do you guys know each other? Go ahead. I know some random guy came up to me one time in the Western, in the Western Lounge and was like, oh, my God. No. Um, you fan How did we meet? Phoenix. I don't know. Phoenix. Was it in Phoenix? Um, and we had a mutual friend, and then we realized we were both kind of like pseudo-childhood actors. And then we... Chris was on Gilmore Girls. Yep. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. See, they're fans. excited. They want fans. more details. Oh, great. Chris was on an episode of Gilmore Girls. Okay, so that's not how we met. We did not meet on the Gilmore Girls. Um, <laughs> we met in Phoenix. And then we, you know, you meet people who are nice and wonderful, and we stayed in touch. Okay. Is that you a, introduced me to Ryan Hall that day. Was it that yes, day? Yes, and then I introduced you to Ryan. And that's you, right. Yes, okay. and now you're being introduced and now, to Meb. I know. Yeah, you, you know a lot of celebrities. Well, yeah, so Chris, how do you know Meb? Did you just attack him? Um, I met Meb in San Antonio. Uh, we were on the back of a press truck. <laughs> Do you remember? You know, and I tried to act like I've been there before. Um, and then we're like one minute into the race, and I'm like, look, this only happens once. I was like, yo, can you tell me what's going on out there? And I got like an hour, five-minute tutorial on elite racing. Um, and he really just kind of played out the race, which was, and then we became, gradually, you started to trust me and realized one wasn't a stalker. <laughs> and what did I ask you for? He asked me for food. <laughs> I'm like, how do you not travel with food? I had like a power bar, which I was going to eat, and I gave it to him. That was nice of you. He, spon- he was sponsored by Power Bar. I'm like, how do they not give and, me this stuff? Well, at least you were on brand. At least you had I the know. right snack. Very I true. Mean, all right. If it was something else, I would have refused it, you know that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it was like, yeah, what other, if I gave him like a kind bar, I, I can't eat a kind bar. <laughs> but I didn't pack my own either. And then Andrea and Meb... You know each other. I mean, you. This is true. So, Meb, you grew up watching Full House. 
Absolutely. We, my family and I came here in 1987, and we didn't speak English, but The Full House was a favorite show that we used to watch, and uh, every, I think, the Thursday or whenever it was, we look forward to it all the time, and, you know, it's nice to see you in person. You got it, dude. <laughs> Everything is on brand today. I love it. All right, and I think it's pretty cool that we're also all connected through running. That's pretty special. I mean, maybe they do this before big basketball games. I don't know. Just like LeBron sit down with like some actress and some like other random person. I kind of doubt it, but I don't know. I need to explore that market a little bit more. But I have to think there's something especially special about the running community. So I would love to hear from each of you. What is it? You know, we all came to running differently. Pro runner. Let's, let's start with you. What brought you to running and what keeps you running? Well, peer pressure brought me to running. <laughs> I was uh, never athletic growing up um, because I was a child actor. I was always on a stage. Um, so, yeah, I was never into sports because um, acting was my after-school sport. But then um, when I was about 35, I had friends who were doing the inaugural Tinkerbell Half Marathon in Anaheim, California. And they were like, come on, we'll wear tutus and wings and it'll be a fun run. And I was like, are you kidding me? Which is also what you're wearing tomorrow for the relay, right. yeah? Right. Sparkle skirt. Yeah, apparently. Okay. Yeah, I just found this one out. <laughs> All right, perfect. So yeah, I trained and I ran it and, it and it changed my life. Something happened out there on that course and I was transformed forever and, and now it's, it's a major part of my identity. And Chris? College, put on my freshman 15. It's not as glamorous. I was like, I should probably start doing something. And then it, like, kind of like her, I, I, it, I loved it. It was very meditational and by myself and ran one marathon with my brother and then just after that, fell in love with the sport. Meb? <laughs> So I, was in, ask. <laughs> so I was in seventh grade PE class, and uh, when we first came here in the United States, we didn't speak English, so my parents told us to use the opportunities to maximize our potential and make sure we get A, E, and as PE teacher in seventh grade to hold the whole class that if you run hard, you're going to get A or B, if you mess around, you're going to get DRF, and I want to make sure my parents are proud and the teacher, and I just took off running, and... And you have to get 6.15 for the mile to get the A and the T-shirt and your picture in the gym. and end up running at 5.20. And, and, then, and then he goes, you're going to go to the Olympics. And I had no idea what the Olympics were. And I just wanted to see if I got the A and the T-shirt. And I was happy with that. Wait, they only gave you one T-shirt? They should have given you all the T-shirts, I think, for that time. I think so. I could, I, and then I would have wear it this time, you know. But they only gave me one T-shirt and got too old and doesn't fit anymore. <laughs> Well, I love that running is something that we all share, even though we experience it so differently. I think that's something that's really powerful about running in general. And Andrea, I'm going back to you again. So Andrea has been on the Alley on the Run show before. Amazing episode. And when you were on the show, we talked about how, you know, in my mind, I was like, oh my gosh, how fun are red carpets? They must be amazing. I would love to have all those cameras on me. And you were like, yeah, not my thing. Like, I don't love them. So you, you don't love the red carpets, but you're here today in front of this amazing live audience. So what makes this different than, you know, the red carpets that are maybe not as enticing? Well, this is more intimate. And I am a little bit nervous. Like, I have to admit, I was telling Chris, I'm like, I'm nervous. And he's like, you do this all the time. And I'm like, but that's scripted. Um, so, yeah, this is just more intimate. This is just like friends. You know, we could all share a pizza. Um, Can we but do red that? carpets are different because it's like you have to, they're taking pictures of you. There's a ton of flash bulbs and you have to, like, You've been in the makeup chair for like two hours and you have to watch your posture and make sure you're posing and it's all, it all feels a little more inauthentic. And Chris, um, did you experience that with 
Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Chris was a soap opera actor. Totally. I'll hype him up. I mean, do I, do you need me to hype you up or can you talk about your acting The difference past? between being on a soap opera and being like the bad guy and being Kimmy Gilbert is significant. I mean, she goes to events and she got cheered. I'd go to events and get booed. Wait, I got really? hate mail. Like, you don't deserve to be a dad. Like, soap opera fans are different than Fuller House fans. So I got wow. that going for me, which is nice. So, but growing up, you know, having done both soap operas, child star, turned adult star, of course, were there sacrifices that you have to make, particularly as a child star? What kind of sacrifices did you have to make to pursue that career at a young age? Um, well, I, yeah, I guess I did sacrifice a large part of my childhood and that I didn't go to normal school every day, like a normal child, and I had a full-time job. Like, it was an adult job, and I was living in an adult world. Um, and it's a very unnatural environment for a child to be in, especially a young child, because you have to sit still for long periods of time, and you have to learn lines, and you have to follow directions. Um, so in that sense, you know, I guess I sacrificed, but it didn't feel like a sacrifice because I had such a positive experience. And I still went to my high school proms. I still went to regular high school on my days off. So um, I feel like I got the best of both worlds. Well, I'm glad you said you went to your high school prom. I was going to say there is a prom happening here in this same space tonight. Yes. So I was just going to say, if you need a dress, we got you. And if, I mean, I'm sure they'll be fine with it. They'll be fine. Who's going to turn away? Kimmy Gibbler. But what about now? What about you're back in Hollywood? You took a long break. Any sacrifices now to pursue what's kind of the same career, but at a different time? Oh, it doesn't feel like a sacrifice. It's a huge blessing now. Um, and I just, the, the only challenges I face are any challenges that working moms face in the balance between um, working and, and family life and trying to find enough quality time with my kids. Um, but everybody faces that. I'm no different just because I'm on a TV show. And um, it doesn't feel like a sacrifice. No, I have a great job. Is there someone yeah. behind us? Yeah. Oh, okay. Is that bold? CEO? A little head popped up. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> well, Meb, what about you? You're, you know, I look at running as something like I have to make sacrifices to get my run in sometimes, whether it's health related or, you know, it takes time away from other things. You run as your job. Are there sacrifices that come with that? I mean, it's the best job you could ever ask for. You know, people do whatever they can between lunch or before going to work or after work to lose weight or to get the training. But for me, it's a full-time job that I enjoy running for as long as I can. And I wouldn't be able to do all this. My wife was here and my brother and siblings who allow me to pursue my goals. And I never thought running would be a job. I'm like, just make sure I get my UCLA degree and have that as a backup in case. Uh, because we are only one injury away from being sidelined. And, but, you know, I think it's the best job I could ever ask for. And I retire now after 26 marathons in honor of that distance. And, but now I still like to run because for the, health, the benefit that it has for health and camaraderie and, you know, fellowship with friends is great. All right. So you're retired. I get it. I respect it. You're running more now. <laughs> Meb, every day I'm, like, on Instagram, and I'm like, wait, Meb's in... Indianapolis, but he was in New York yesterday, and he's in New York again tomorrow. Like, you're everywhere now. Are you busier now, retired, than you were as a pro? In terms of traveling, yes. And I just don't have the training camp that I used to go to Mammoth uh, for three weeks to five weeks uh, before New York or before Boston. But now I travel quite a bit. Um, but there are weekend events, so I try to be with my family as much as I can the weekdays. But, uh, you know, I'm not running as much. I'm traveling a lot more in terms of miles. But... Uh, I still like to enjoy the benefit of running, and uh, you know it's fun to be able to be in the middle of the crowd and the you know with the weekend warriors to be able to get help them get uh, accomplish their goal because my goal has been attained already, so I'm thankful for that. 
So the day after the New York City, you retired after the New York City Marathon. You wake up the next day, you wake up Monday morning, and were you like, oh my gosh, I'm retired, I can relax? Or were you like, right, where's my next appearance? Were you like ready to go? No, that's actually the one thing that Howie and I, my brother, says, you know, we don't have to worry about the next spring or the next fall marathons because in the past, if you win, you want to capitalize on your victory and you sign up for the next marathon. And if you did bad racing, then you want to sign up for the other one. So it was always on the go-go for 15 years in terms of the marathon. But, well, you're supposed to have more time when you retire, right? And I love running, so <laughs> I'm running as much. <laughs> You're so chill in retirement. So how much, what would you peak at for weekly mileage when you were training, and what are you running now? Be honest. Peak? <laughs> Don't lie. No, my dad told me never to lie. I, peakest I ever run was 136 a week. And I think the peakest that I, after retirement was, I want to say, 80. And the reason is because I was running Very almost casual. every day, plus the girls who are here, my daughters, they had a jogathon. They each end up running four miles each or something. You know, that day I had like 16 or 12 miles, so that compacted out the miles a little bit. But uh, I still run, you know, I, I like to run every day, about five to six days a week, and sometimes it's as short as four miles, but I like to go an hour or eight to nine miles uh, if I go long. But uh, I did the Boston Marathon for charity for Martin Richard Foundation, and uh, so those are fun. I still want to be able to do the sport as much as I can because we are able to do it because there's other people that we know that they can't go the distance or they can't do the sport. And we need you. Running community needs you. Like, who is going to be the next Meb? Do you think about that? <laughs> Meb, Meb 2.0, retired Meb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, there's, uh, I mean, the sport is beautiful and uh, there's young guys coming. Uh, I really haven't found, they say, that's the next guy yet, but hopefully there'll be somebody though. And when that time comes, you can, like, knight him, like, with the sword. It'll be very official. That's a good idea. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Meb said I had a good idea. Hey. Chris, your job has you on the road all the time. So, Global Run West and Concierge. So, basically, I'm sure I'm going to get this right. Let me explain your job to everyone. You fly around. You stay at different hotels, probably in, like, super sick suites every time. Get all the perks. You go for runs with the guests, and then you put on the robe all day, and you watch Full House. <laughs> Would you say that's an accurate description of your job? Yep. Oh, perfect. Nailed so it. any sacrifices involved in doing no. that? It's just hard not wearing the robe at home, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's the hard part. But seriously, you travel all the time. I you do. You have two young kids. You yeah. have a wife at home. You're on the road a lot. What's the, what's the struggle there? Uh, you know, it's almost been five years. Um, I don't know if you guys can attest this. It's lonely when you travel. Um, you know, you're on planes by yourself. You're in hotels by yourself. Uh, even the job, like it's, you're. I'm meeting people sort of intermittently. It's it's a privilege to have relationships with someone like a Meb or an Andrew. Who, if I see them on the road, it's not just like, hey, how you doing? Get like we're getting coffee, we're getting dinner. Those are unbelievable relationships. But you know, it, it's. It's a lonely existence being on the road that much. And my kids are getting older, so it's not that I wasn't missing something then, like three years ago, but now like, I'm missing my daughter's piano recital today. That's not, that's not easy to swallow. It's a sacrifice for a job that I love. Um, I don't think there's any perfect job. And I think we all sort of search for that perfect job, but there's pros and cons just about everything. And I just try 
when I am home to be as present as I can and, and really take more advantage of the time that I have at home as a result of this job. I think when I was home with my previous job, I just sort of took it, took it for granted. So the loneliness, is that why there's a stuffed animal on your chair? This is Chicky. Because I see it. Yeah. <laughs> Two days ago when I was leaving, my daughter asked me to take Chicky with her. And I was, that was the first time she's ever done that. I was like, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, oh, yeah. And then she's like, can you tuck it in at night and take care of it? Did you tuck it in last night? Yeah. There's two robes in every room. I'm just curious, did Chicky get one? Or? Chicky's been dominating. Like, Chicky was hanging out with Meb last night, Desi last night. I'm, getting, I'm making, like, a picture collage of Chicky and amazing people to give to my daughter when I get back. And she's taking care of our plant, George. So this, I mean, having a little thing like this does keep me connected in a little weird way. Um, I didn't see that one coming. Like, I felt like on the plane I had a companion. I was like, hey, what's up, Chicky? Um, <laughs> but, I mean, there's something to it because, the, like, Kimpton Hotels, you can, um, you can rent a fish, yeah. a goldfish, for your room. And it's such this little thing, but there's, there's, there's validity to that. Um, is there a suggestion box at the front desk for Westons? Because what, what about... Chickies? You can rent a chickie? Dogs. Full-sized, 60-pound rescue dogs. It's yeah. a dog-friendly hotel, I'm just saying. No, so yeah, no if problem. anyone here has connections and can make that happen, yeah, I have a dog easy. who would love to help kick that program off. There's a lot of, th there's a lot of therapy in dogs. I believe it. That's yeah. just operationally a little bit difficult, Ellie. <laughs> Watch me. All right, so we were talking about family. You all have kids. Two kids, two kids. Three. Three kids. Okay. They're here. They're here. Raise your hands, Meb's kids. Yeah. They're so cute. I love them. Did you run the 5K? They have medals. All right, so. I, I give them a hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so I always think it's interesting. I love learning about the dynamics. I think most of us here are probably runners. Maybe a couple of us brought along our non-runner counterparts. So I'm very, I'm always fascinated by the relationship between the runner and the non-runner. Like, is the non-runner super supportive unconditionally, or is the non-runner like, what do you mean a four-hour run by choice on a Saturday morning? So <laughs> Let's bring Jordanis up here and get her perspective on it. <laughs> well, I want to know. I want to hear about how do you teach your kids to love running, and how do you get your family to get it because I think a lot of people don't get it when we say like, no, 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 I, I paid to run this marathon. They didn't pay me. No, I wanted this medal. No, I didn't win. I just, well, bad example. <laughs> but tell me, so tell me about your family dynamics and how do you, how do you get your family to get it if they don't? Yours probably gets it. It's your job. Well, my wife, Yordanus, who's here, is very understanding and I remember she said, she gave up her career to give me mine because she says, as an athlete, there's a limited opportunity windows that I need to execute my plans. And you can't go back in time and say, I want to be an athlete in 10, 15 years. So, you know, she said, you know, she sacrificed a lot on her end to be able to make sure I kind of utilize my God-given talent the best that I can. And the girls, you know, they used to come to Mammoth all the time for my training camp and when I was there. And this time I, you know, we went to Hawaii for a little bit just so this time they can spend time with me versus come visit me for training. And, but, you know, it's all about the nutrition, the sleep, and, and the training. And you have to have somebody who is very understanding and help you, a great partner to help you execute your plans. And uh, I've been very fortunate in that regard. 
Andrea, when you race, are your kids on the sidelines? Are they like, we love waiting on the sidelines for two hours for mom to run? Or are they just like, yeah, no, this is not a thing we get? No, they're sleeping in. I have, <laughs> I have an 11-year-old and a 14-year-old, so they, they much prefer to sleep in. Um, but no, my family's very supportive of me running. And my boyfriend, um, who's over there tweeting, I think, he's very supportive, too. He's, a, he's also a runner. He's on hiatus right now, but he's a runner, so he gets it. Um, and he knows how much it means to me personally, like how much I need it for my mental health to run. So he can kind of tell when I haven't been running. And he's like, babe, I think you need to make time. Like, I know you, you say you don't have time, but you need to make time for, to run because, you know, you're, you're getting a little, a little bitchy. Can I say that? Oh, on yeah, this? yeah, yeah. It's fine. Um, it's fine. Um, and my kids don't identify as runners, uh, but they run for PE or um, my son plays sports, so he'll run as part of soccer or, or basketball. But they don't identify, they think, they still think running is kind of a punishment. Yeah, and I, think I was going to say, that's what I thought. That's it, like in school, it's like, no, run laps because, you know, you guys aren't doing it right. Or, you know, it's, it's sort of a chore for them. So when I'm like, hey, let's go out for, for a hike or a run, they're just like, oh, no. And I'm like, how do you change that perspective? in kids when it's when it's kind of a chore or a punishment at that age. I don't know. Chris, any advice? You got the young ones? Uh, my son's almost eight. He needs a ball. I mean, he's like a, a, a St. Bernard. Like, he needs to chase something. Um, Kiki, my daughter, though, after Shalane won in New York, she said, can you take me to the track? And then when Desi won, you know, we're watching it, and Kiki's, you know, yelling, go Desi. And I think a lot of it uh, does come from us, if we are parents, to expose our kids to... The best of the best to the Mebs to the you know we got Matt Lano an elite runner here Jeffrey Eggleston's over here like I think it's important that if we are a part of the sport to know who who the elites are um, and we can do that by showing our kids who they are on TV and I think that naturally gets them into it. That said, Shane will never be a runner. He's going to have to chase a ball. Kiki might. Well, you never know. Fair enough. I'm pretty sure. I think I mean you started running as an adult. I started as an adult. You started in college, so. I will make a bet. You can check on that in about 15 years, but Shane will, I'm guessing, look at running as a punishment. Um, <laughs> All right, we'll check back. Yes. We'll, do, we'll still be doing the live shows then, this same exact crew. <laughs> oh, wow. So get excited. You didn't know you signed a contract today, but yeah, you did. All right. So I look at the three of you, and I'm like, oh, like not only is this a dream group, but you're three of the most confident people that I think I know. Like... Gilmore Girls. What does that even mean? Why I just that... like to bring it up. You keep bringing up Gilmore. What does that have to do with confidence? I love it. Has it. nothing to do with You have to be confident to be on TV and to do Gilmore Girls and a soap opera. You have you to have... exude confidence. Yes. I mean, we're right, being well, honest is, here. Well, this is what I'm getting at. Okay, this yeah. is what I want to know. I do. I look at you as three very confident people in everything that you do. Acting, obviously, the face of running. Tons of confidence floating around on this stage. But do you have any insecurities? Go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who doesn't? I, I think absolutely. In fact, if anything, I mean, I'm going on 39. Like, I'm like, what, what am I doing? Like, I, I don't know. I, I thought I knew at 20 I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to crush it. And then I didn't. Like, all right, so I guess I'm a bartender. And then I became a personal trainer. And then I met my wife, and I have this job. But of course I'm insecure. I mean, I... I I struggle. I don't really know what I am supposed to be doing right now, per se. I don't know if this is my job for the next 10 years. And I think um, it's okay. I mean, I, I applaud Andrea tremendously for how outspoken she is about mental health and anxiety. Um, I, I think 
we're being totally candid here, I think the beauty of acting is that you get to be somebody else. That's not a coincidence. Like, if I get a script, I'm like, cool, I get to not be me. That's acting. There's a lot of, that's very attractive to someone with my brain, to, to be on a stage and not have to deal with myself. Um, that said, I think sort of just recognizing that allows me more freedom to gradually accept who I am and what's important. And what's important is my wife and my kids. That's one, two, three. After that, I don't know. I mean, it'll take care of itself, I guess. But a lot of this stuff, you know, we talk about, when we look at Meb, and you say confidence, when he retired, people were not talking about his awards. They're talking about Meb the person. And with Andrea, I'm not, I don't enjoy Andrea as a friend because she's famous. I enjoy her because she's down to earth and awesome and grateful and humble. Those are attributes that are about the person, not the actress. It's a big difference. I'm going to drop my mic now. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the, the mental health side. I know Chris mentioned it, but you have. You've been super outspoken. So tell me a little bit about, about your decision to talk about mental health where I think we're getting better. I think now is a time where it is, you know, it's like almost trendy to talk about mental health and wellness, of course, is very trendy. Um, but you're not doing that in a trendy way. Like you very much on your own have talked about what running does for you mentally. Can you talk a little bit about that relationship for you? Yeah. Um, well, just going back to insecurities really fast. Like, I was just telling my boyfriend on the way on the elevator down here that I was, I'm really insecure to be up here right now because I'm here with really fast runners and I am not a fast runner. I am a, a back of the packer and I'm like, Am I worthy enough to be on this stage right now? It's a running podcast, and, and I'm running. Chris is willing to be my relay partner. I know we joked about, about me wanting to choose anyone else besides you to be my relay partner. No, she legitimately really, said Desi earlier. Like, that I wasn't did, a joke. But like, it, we're back to, like, warming up, and she's like, hey, who would you pick? She's like, Desi. I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, you already know I'm your partner. I'm <laughs> but talking about insecurities. There you go, right there. <laughs> no, but truth be, I always ask, you asked me last year and this year, and I'm like, are you sure you want me to be your partner? Because, you know, I'm not, we're not going to win or break any records or anything like that, but you got to get over those insecurities and, and find what your value is and what you do bring to the table, and I'm like, okay, I do, I do bring some things to the table. If it's not speed, it's, it's something else. Um, maybe a little bit of wisdom or I don't know what. But, um, yeah, so I, did have a, I do have a lot of insecurities, and I, I did even this morning coming down here today. Um, what was your original question? Oh, about mental, mental health. health. Um, <laughs> why did I decide to start talking about it? I, wasn't, I didn't even open up about it until I turned 40. You know, I kept – it was like this dirty – secret that I held I, for my whole life. I was like, I felt like something was wrong with me and um, like nobody else could relate. I was just like, why do I have these spinning thoughts and why do I, why do I react the way I do? Um, I don't know why I started to open up about it. I just suddenly felt like, why am I keeping this a secret? There's, no, there's nothing anyone can say out there about me that's worse than what I've already told myself in those self-loathing moments late at night when your brain is spinning and you can't shut it off. Um, what are they going to say? What are they going to say about me? That's any worse than that. Um, so I started to open up and it, it became this really cathartic thing where people started sharing their stories back with me about, I can relate and this is my story and this is my journey. And it's become like this virtual, like self help 
therapy group. It's it's great. Every time I open up about it, if it's on Twitter or or just to a small crowd, it's it's amazing that the stories and the healing that comes out of that. Well, I know I'm grateful for it. I think I'm probably not the only one who appreciates someone getting that conversation going. It's so important now more than ever. And I think as we get older, I think there's this like, I don't know, I find there's a big part of me that like loves getting older because I'm like, I'm so much more wise, I know so much. And then there's the part that you said where it's like, wait, but I'm getting older, what am I doing? Like I had this whole like breakdown last year where I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And and that's scary. And I think the more you talk about it, the easier it gets to kind of work it through and I still haven't found my answer, but I'm enjoying this. So I'm just gonna I think that's going. a great, I mean, you know, Meb, I'd be curious, you know, you've been identified as a runner. I mean, are you now thinking, sorry, I'm asking a question for Do you, it. but like, are you now thinking? <laughs> the Chris Heisler on the run show, ladies and gentlemen. Chris on the run. I'm taking your Notice job, so don't worry. <laughs> you see that segment? I'm curious, like, you know, I, there must be something in retirement. I mean, you see it with athletes like a quarterback who retires, like, is there some part of your identity that isn't that, that's now being challenged because you're no longer showing up to a race to win? But I always say run, winning doesn't mean getting first place, but getting the best out of yourself each time and every time. But for me, as soon as I took off my racing flats, I'm okay. I, you have to accept some things, and some things you're willing to work harder to improve. And that's what life is. Try to do the best that you can, and change is hard sometimes, but... At the same time, if you accept it, then people say, well, don't you want to go up there and crush it or you want to win? Or I'm like, no, I've done that. For me, yeah. uh, I've been very fortunate to be able to uh, win or achieve my goals. So now I'm just there as a recreational runner for health and helping others accomplish their goal. But, you know, it's, uh, life is difficult. We all know that. I mean, marathon is difficult and you have your challenges and you just have willing to say, hey, what are you willing to fight for? What are you not willing to fight for? The other stuff. And, uh, you know, sometimes as a runner, you used to say, you know, when you see somebody with different pair of shoes, different pair of socks, different pair of up, uh, upper body singlet, it's like, uh, I don't need to keep an eye on that guy. But when you see somebody in one uniform with, with a brand, that's you say, oh, he must be really good. So I got to keep an eye for that person. And then... Now I'm going to that transition. I'm still full out sketchers, and hopefully people can still take me serious. <laughs> but you kind of have a scale to see, okay, what, what brand is that person wearing? Because that's how the society puts it up a status. But at the same time, just be you at the end of the day. There's nobody that can criticize you. You already have thought some things that if you made a mistake, you know, you're your own worst critic, you know? And somebody else saying is like, okay, whatever, I know that already, but... What can you do to improve that? How to, because we might do 99% right, but then 2% or 1% wrong, and people focus on that, and we focus on that. So you just got to say, all right, you know, time to challenge yourself, time to improve for yourself, and say, hey, look at the glass as a half full instead of half empty. Do you remember we went for a run in Mammoth um, before the trials, and I was in pretty good shape, and I was like, hey, can we just do like an easy run together? And he's like, yeah. I was like, what's easy? He's like, 640s. I was like, I can take that for like my tempo. And same. It's all, but it's all relative. Hang on, it's on all a relative. Scooter. It's completely relative. <laughs> it's I completely, know. That's the story's not. A, the story's about 
humility because I lasted two miles. Like our first mile felt like a, a 4.30. And I looked at my watch and it was like 8.10. I'm like, oh my God, I'm dying. Like the altitude was crushing me. I was exhausted. I'm also, my adrenaline's high because I'm running with Meb. I lasted two and a half miles. And I was completely um, disappointed in myself and hard on myself. And he heard me talking about it. And afterwards, I was like, man, I'm so, this is pathetic. I, I, he, and afterwards, I was like, dude, just shut up. I'm like, what? He's like, Chris, I used to run this trail at like 540s. And today I'm doing 615s because that's what I got today. You can always go back and compare yourself to what you used to have. But if I were you, just compare yourself to yourself. You didn't have it today. Let it go. And I was like, that's why he's Mr. Miyagi. Because, because he was right. You know, it's so easy for us to compare ourselves to other runners out there. At the end of the day, we're comparing ourselves to ourselves. And we're putting up these expectations on ourselves that, frankly, just don't belong there. So thanks for that. Thanks, Chris. And uh, the same thing there. You know, we compare ourselves to other people and other things. Just be you and, and as an individual and try to maximize the, the, the talent that we all have. And as long as we use that for better good, that's, and then we can rest at night assured that, hey, we've done the best that we can. All right, so another thing I think of when I look at the three of you is I'm like, everyone loves you guys. Everyone loves Kimmy Gibbler. Like, who didn't grow up loving all the amazing quirkiness of Kimmy Gibbler? I know. And everyone loves you. You're everyone's favorite runner. Like, seriously, everyone loves you. Do you have any haters? <laughs> Let's just turn that right around. But do you? I'm wondering. I mean, you're so, both of you especially are so visible. You're so out there with your careers and social media makes it, you know, out there. Like I have a fraction of people following me that you have and I have haters. <laughs> Hopefully none of you are them. <laughs> but do you have haters? I'm pretty sure there are, you know, but at the same time, uh, as we were talking about, you want to be a better human being at the end of the day. You know, as you can be an athlete for 10 years or 12 years and whatnot, but you're going to be a human being for the rest of your life and you can't, you can't make everybody happy. And I'm pretty sure some of my, you know, former sponsor, shoe sponsor, probably don't like me that much. So, so it's all the... the rest, They're like you know? on Let's Run somewhere, <laughs> like this guy, getting all worked up. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? You're very, you know, you have a lot of people watching all your moves, especially on Instagram and everything. Do you ever get negative feedback or comments that are not so fun to read? Oh, yeah. I for sure have haters. Um, I've not yet. I've yet to meet a critic that loves Full or Fuller House. Like they, we got slammed in the '80s. We're, we're one of the worst shows on TV. Same thing when Fuller House came back. Um, we did a critics panel that first season, and we just got slammed with question after question about what. Why do you think this reboot is going to be successful? You know, going on season four already. Right, so right, right. Well, yeah, they're doing pro right now. now. But yeah, I, my show's specifically hated by the critics. We never get good reviews, but we don't make the show for the critics. We make it for the fans that are loyal and love loved the show for 30 years. And so that you just have to tune out that negative noise and just focus on the people. Um, that do love you, and that's that's the reason why we make the show. Um, and now, with in the age of social media, there's this great little delete button. So if you get <laughs> if you get those negative comments, like swipe, let me read the 40 wonderful comments instead, and and tune out the negativity. And is it that easy for you to just like tune them out and not? It is okay. Yeah, it is. I admire that. I, it, I, Any yeah. advice for people? Because I think you know, for anyone who wants to like put themselves out there, whether it's as an actor, as, a, as an elite runner, as an influencer, any advice for dealing with the negative comments and not letting it psych you out either in life or on a start line? Well, I think you have to not 
read your comments right before a race or a performance or something where, where you're going to psych yourself out. Like, just put your phone away and don't read it. And then read it afterwards. Um, yeah, just pretend it never happened. Delete. That delete button is really powerful. <laughs> and sometimes you just got to say, you read it and say, you know what, I'm going to prove you wrong. Love that. I love it. All right. We're going to move on in a second to do some listener Q&A. So be thinking of your questions. You're going to have that opportunity. Before I do that, it sounded like a lot of people are maybe running tomorrow. Any advice? We've got some veterans here. You guys know a little bit about running. Any advice for people running the half or the full marathon tomorrow? I think I'll defer to Meb here. Okay. <laughs> the most appropriate thing to do in this situation. How many first timers? Yes. Yes. Half or full? Yes. Great. Now it's, uh, it's going to change your life. Aww. You're going to be very sore on Monday. <laughs> and you're going to be even more sore on Tuesday. <laughs> so be ready to walk backwards some stairs. <laughs> but I think, you know, it's just running something that metaphor for life. You get out of the, uh, what you put in it and just you stay healthy. You get through the finish line is very important tomorrow. So you make sure you smile. Because maybe Monday and Tuesday, you won't be as smiling as much. So just pace yourself. Be patient. And I always tell people to run the half marathon or the full marathon. If you can make your last mile the fastest, you're going to have a great memory and a wonderful time. Awesome. And good luck. So exciting. All right. Do we have any questions? Oh, you are ready to go. Can we get a microphone down in front? Thank you, beautiful Erin Feeney, assisting today, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Hi, um, I'm Eve. Lovely to meet all three of you. Um, Mab, this is for you. Um, as far as I understand physical toughness, and that's what you do the physical training for, mental toughness I really personally struggle with, especially in the last 10K of a marathon. What is your advice for those really hard races where you're going for, you know, for me, a goal time, which is a different language than what you speak, but what, are, what is your advice for practicing that mental toughness so when you really need it in the pressure situation, you can execute? That's an excellent question. Uh, you know, the Kenyans wrote a book, say, train hard, win easy. Train hard, win easy. And the key to life or key to success is preparation. So I visualize a lot when I'm training, when I'm mile 18, mile 20, and say, okay, this is mile 20 of the race. Much make sure my posture is hot. Uh, upright and then arm action and if you come to a hill conquer that hill and say hey is it, I'm training hard I'm in the moment be in the moment and then come to the race time you're gonna think the same thing all right here's I'm gonna instead of looking I have 10k to go the last six miles you just think okay I gotta conquer the next mile or two miles so instead of saying oh I'm only doing mile 20 and your body just can change but I think just conquer the best that you can and be confident and then Sometimes I pray. I'm like, God, help me get to this through this mile. Every marathon that I have run, at one point I thought about throwing the towel. It just hurts too much. It's like, but then you're like, okay, are they willing to hurt more than I am? Am I willing to suffer a little bit more than others? So if it can be two minute, one minute change that you have to think of that and then enjoy the moment when you're running with other people next to you and say, hey, I'm going to get draft out of that person with them and then get me to this mile. And then once you do that, you get another mile. And Break it down to, into segments. If you could do that, you're going to think a lot better versus, oh, I got a long ways to go because the mind can control your body. Thank you. Mr. Miyagi. Right there. Do we have you any other questions? Oh, yeah. What? Oh, I thought you were going to add something. I don't I have a excited. question. Right. Oh, do we have other questions? Yeah. Thank you, Jackie. 
You're beautiful and talented. Hi, this is for everybody. Since you've all traveled all over the world so much, I would love to know where your ideal spot for a long run is, like your dream running route. Long run. I think if you look at everything around you, uh, I think San Diego is great. <laughs> you can run at 8 a.m. or noon or 4 p.m. The weather doesn't fluctuate as much, whereas, you know, you can go to Stockholm and definitely don't want to long run the winter there. Um, but they have a very scenic, and Mammoth is great. Mammoth is it's just sometimes don't the view. Don't do it. <laughs> That's com it's complete BS. It's the worst. You just need to come stay at the Westin for three weeks, and you're good to go. There is a Westin there. He's got a good point. So you should go to Mammoth. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. Well played. Chris, Andrea, favorite places to run? Central Park. No, no better six miles in the world. I could run that loop a lot. Meb, you've run that before. The only place I run in New York. See? New York, that's Central Park. You get the hills. There's a vibe in there that is just, that is the spirit of New York in that park. All right. Um, minus the horseman or smell. All right, so we're going to have a little time at the end where you can ask more questions. But for now, it's time to jump into our sprint to the finish. So on the Alley on the Run show, we wrap things up with the sprint to the finish. These are our rapid fire questions. I don't know who's going to win, but Chris, you're up first. Awesome. Chris, yes. spell Meb Kaflesgi. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> M-E-B, or you can go the whole for uh, Mabratum, and then Kaflesgi is K-E-F-L-E-Z-I-G-H-I. Wow. Um, he's my coach. Come on. <laughs> but I really, come on. I mean, this was my surprise to my dear friend Andrea, who asked to have a different relay partner than me, and she won the Boston Marathon. She's in the front row, Desi. Yeah, we come got you. <laughs> Let's get you on up here. <laughs> All right. I knew so we're adding someone to this sprint. You can sprint. smash a chickie. Just don't Ladies sit on Ladies and gentlemen, your 2018 Boston Marathon winner, Des Linden. That was for you. So, Des, you missed the me. part where we brought Andrea out and we said if you could choose anyone to be your relay partner tomorrow for the relay, Keep in mind, she's already paired with Chris. Seriously. But she chose you. Easy decision. I'm sitting below you for a reason <laughs> right now, I liked her, Desi. and now I know she's smart, too. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're super excited to have you, and we're going to put you on the spot now. So Des is here to join us for the sprint to the finish. Meb, what job would you be terrible at? <laughs> Everything except running. <laughs> Andrea, go-to karaoke song. Um, step by step, New Kids on the Block. Yeah. Obviously. Wow, dropping it. Chris, yeah. if your life were a movie, what would it be called? Ooh. Um, man, I'm just going to I, What's it going to be called? Yeah. Uh, Gilmore Girl. The Sprint. Yeah, there you go. I'll take Meb's The Sprint. No, I think I got... he was heckling you like, dude, yeah, it's no. a sprint. Come on. Sorry. <laughs> it's called The Sprint. There you go. There we go. Thanks, Des, man. what is something you think everyone should do at least once in their lives? Oh, um, <laughs> win the Boston Marathon. Yeah. <laughs> so get on Guys that, all everyone. That. <laughs> all right, we're, we're working on it. All right, <laughs> Meb, what has been the best running-related day of your life? R what's the best running day of your life? Running day. I think the Boston victory is the biggest thing because I was on this earth to be a runner from that seventh grade P class to winning the Boston Marathon on that day, the year after the bomb was just incredible. Andrea, best run of your life? My first half marathon. 
Des, I don't know, what was the best running day of your life? Um, honestly, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna throw it way back, and it was this picture of me as a little kid, and I don't know if it's the best run or not, but I look like I'm having the most awesome time. And someone asked me recently, when did you realize you were a runner? And I look at that picture, and I think that's it. And uh, I guess I, I felt like I was born to do it. Chris, best running day? The uh, 26 miles my brother for his 40th birthday. That was a pretty yeah. good one. Listen to his episode of the Alley on the Run show. You'll sob. Good luck. Don't listen on a run. You'll just cry the whole time. <laughs> or maybe that was just me. Greatest fear. Ooh. You're all going to answer this one, so get ready. <laughs> Greatest fear. I think not graduating from UCLA, probably. Because I, my parents always emphasize education, education, and you question yourself sometimes, am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? And uh, to have that diploma means a lot. But I think scare, scare of failure can bring the best of you. So we all have fear if we're going to finish a marathon or not. And when you put in the work, you can be able to do it. The mind goes beyond what you are capable of. Greatest fear? Leaving things left unsaid to my loved ones. Des, greatest fear? Spiders. <laughs> and Chris, greatest fear? Probably failure. Okay, However would you like a chair? I got a chair. You're, I think oh, I'm you're sitting appropriate. What, do you think I was sitting like this, like in an exercise right now? Like I, didn't, I can't really see. I don't know, I was impressed. You got good quads. <laughs> it's impressive. <laughs> All right, let's see what we got. What is your race day breakfast? My race day breakfast is a homemade hambasha that my mom made and my wife, and uh, I travel with it all the time. I have it next to my bed. Uh, sometimes I'll have it at 3 a.m. with uh, almond butter, honey, and a banana, usually. Race day breakfast, Andrea. Um, well, when I'm traveling, it's, it's a payday bar. Thank you, Pavement Runner. Oh, yeah, he's right there. I got that idea from payday, him. Payday, like the candy bar. Yeah, a payday Love candy that. bar. They should sponsor you. Um, I do a bagel with peanut butter, and then I'm a... Coffee people? Coffee people? Yeah. Uh, a nice cup of uh, Linden and True coffee and a pour well over. Played. Well Plugs. played. Plugs. <laughs> Chris, race day breakfast. Ditto, but I don't have that coffee yet, so I'll be uh, updating that soon. Yet. Yes. <laughs> All right. This is, everyone's going to answer this one too. Your significant other is mad at you. If you had to guess, what did you do? <laughs> yeah, go ahead, ma'am. Does she have to be here? <laughs> um, I guess when you know when I'm not running or get moody, that's when I have to go. You get moody? Run. Oh yeah. I can't see that. I'm human. <laughs> Andrea, what'd you do? Why is he mad? He never gets mad at me. Are you kidding? <laughs> do you want a microphone? <laughs> <laughs> no, probably if I just forget to include him in something I'm doing or. I don't know, he just wants to be a part of everything. So. We can get you a chair, there's so many. Okay, let me know. Des, what'd you do? Ryan's never mad, he's the happiest guy on the planet, so if he's mad, it's because I'm mad at him and he doesn't know why. He's like, <laughs> what? I don't know what I did. Um, yeah, for sure. And Chris? I forgot to get something, I put my, something I did wasn't thinking of her. You know, like, like I go to the grocery store and like I know I'm supposed to get for her. And then I get like distracted by a cup of coffee or some bars for myself and I walk out and I get home and I'm like, ah, the Fuji apples. And then I gotta go back. <laughs> Fuji apples. <laughs> All right, we'll stay on the romance topic if that counts as romance, I don't know. But uh, Meb, where was your first kiss? <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted you to giggle like that. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> 
Wow. All right, Andrea, first kiss. My first kiss was on TV. Wait, really? Yeah. It was Tell us in everything. front of 250 people and my parents <laughs> at our live audience. Um, yeah, I was 13. It was the Spin the Bottle episode of Full House. So you can all just pull it up on, on your, your phones and watch it. And it was, um, yeah, I, was, I wasn't into the boy. He was kind of gross. And um, yeah, it was just a quick little kiss, but we had to do it over and over and over again. I was going to say, how many again. takes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Des, first kiss. Um, I'm going to say on the playground. I don't know if it's true or not, but it oh. sounds right. We'll believe you. <laughs> we believe it. Chris, first kiss? In a basement? Oh. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I think that's a pretty common one, to be yeah, honest. I mean, I don't mine, think I'm that yeah. unique. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I am. I mean, mine was in the woods. But I was 25. Like... Is that different? Is you that... were 25? I'm kidding. I was kidding. Jeez. I don't think he's kidding. I think he's trying to backpedal. That's okay. I think that's cool. Uh, okay. Tell me something you love about yourself. And you can't pass. Why well, gotta be the first one always? Because you're right next to me. All right, you, all right, we'll start with Chris. Chris. Thanks, Miyagi. Uh, Chris, tell me two things you love about yourself. Two things. I'm giving Matt um, more time to think. I do think I'm a good dad. I love that about myself. Um, and I love um, how I can read a room, if you will. Do you want it's to read like this acting. room? You know, like how you can feel out an energy in a room. I like doing that. Des, what do you love about yourself? I think I'm incredibly comfortable with who I am. Um, I've always felt comfortable just being myself. And whenever I'm not being myself, I feel weird. And so I love that I can just be me. And I'm just going to do one. Okay. Well, I'm going to pause the sprint. Do you have any tips for that because I love that and I think that that's something I know I struggle with. I think a lot of people probably share that struggle of not always feeling comfortable with who they are. Do you have any tips for embracing your mindset? Um, I don't know. I guess I just can't imagine being anybody else. Like I don't know why. Like I, I don't wear a ton of makeup. When I do I feel like off. I feel like I'm putting a, a fake front on. I feel like when you're yourself you gravitate or you maybe you bring in the people that can really appreciate you, you know, and then you can continue to be more comfortable. Um, and if people don't like you when you're being you, then they're not your people, and that's okay too. You don't have to be for everybody, and maybe that's it. Maybe it's just realizing you're never gonna make everybody happy. You're never gonna be for everybody. So start with you and be really you, and then you'll find your people um, and go from there. I don't know if that's a tip or no, not. No, I love that's that. What I do. I'm going to put it in a book. I really like that. And Sprint still paused because, I mean, it's Desi. Let's take advantage of having her here. Um, you mentioned the makeup thing. You mentioned that you don't wear a lot of makeup. But you've been on a pretty much, like, nonstop press tour since crossing that Boston Marathon finish line. With that, I imagine you've had a lot of people who want to put makeup on you for photo shoots and to be on TV. Do you tell them, like, no thank you? Or is that what's that dynamic like when the time comes? Yeah, I'm always like, oh, just really light because I just wear it really light. But I usually just don't put it on at all. Um, and so I'm like, just make it look really natural. Uh, but there's also the element of like, this is gonna, the light with the TV or, you know, like the magazine angle or whatever. So there's a certain amount that has to go on. Um, it makes me feel like really claustrophobic. Like my skin feels like I can't breathe. And then it's like all broken out when I take it off. And I'm like, now you have to wear it again. Um, yeah, I'm just not very comfortable with it. So it has been a weird thing, but I definitely, this past couple of weeks has been the most makeup I've worn in my life. And, uh, 
and it's amazing what it does. The billboard thing, I like. I was I got to the red carpet, and they're like, "Hold on one second, you're gonna go on right after this woman." And then they carted out Tyra Banks, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, <laughs> and then I was like, "I'm so glad that they spent so much time on this." <laughs> Who would have thought that that's a side effect of winning a marathon? That all of a sudden you have to wear makeup all the time. Uh, what well, was really cool seeing you at the Billboard Music Awards? That Thank was you. very exciting to see you and a runner representing up there. So very cool side effect. Andrea, we'll pick the sprint back up. Oh, What is something that you love about yourself? Um, I love that I'm good at physical comedy and um, I care a lot about other people's feelings. Love that. All right, Meb, we made it to you. What do you love about yourself? I think accountability. You be got to be accountable and then inclusiveness. So just make sure people are just happy with you on the journey that you're in. All right, the last thing that I like to ask guests on the Alley on the Run show, I have a feeling this crowd doesn't need a ton of motivation to get out and run most days, but let's assume that, you know, we all have those days where we don't necessarily want to get out there. So, Chris, I'll start with you again. Give everyone in the audience, everyone that'll be listening to this show, a reason to get out and run today. You won't regret it. I've never gone for a run that I regretted afterwards. So as long as you get that first step out, you won't regret. If it's one mile, two miles, three miles, I guarantee you won't regret it. If you do, shoot me an email. Des, why should people run today? Um, I think sometimes we get in our own way and just get out of your own way and give yourself a chance to see what's going to happen. Sometimes we think, like, I don't feel great, I'm tired, and you give yourself a million reasons why you can't. Um, Go find out what you can do and in order to do that you have to show up you have to and that's been my mantra the last 10 months keep showing up Um, show up and give yourself a chance and then see what happens Andrea get sweaty sweat once a day Um, yeah that sunshine and fresh air nothing's better than that and Meb give everyone listening a reason to run today I think the hardest part is just getting out the door once you get out of the door and whether you go three miles, five miles, seven miles, you're going to come with more energy. So lace your shoes up and go for a run. All right. We have like two seconds left. I want to know from the four of you on stage, do you have any questions for each other? Like, is there anything you're dying to ask Meb or anything that you're dying to know about, like, behind the scenes full house secrets? I know I put you on the spot. What was your, your favorite episode of Full House? Um... Now I, all I can think about was my first kiss. So on that that, that wasn't my first. That wasn't my favorite. It might have been my least favorite episode. Um, no, my favorite episode of Full House is uh, the one where DJ forgets Kimmy's 16th birthday party because I got to cry that episode. It's the one, the rare one of the rare times you see Kimmy Gibbler cry. Yeah. Des, what's your favorite episode of Full House? Um, I'm not going to remember all of the, the like, actual orders. Do you want me to list all of them? Yeah. I'm like a super fan? Yes. <laughs> well, the finale, when Michelle fell off her horse, <laughs> crazy. I'm glad she's okay. Well, I hope she's okay. Where are the Olsen twins? That's, we won't get into that. But <laughs> it's another podcast. Tried to get them for the show. No response. <laughs> Maybe next time. Maybe next time. All right. The four of you are amazing. All of you are amazing. Thank you so much for being here and making this happen. Thanks to the four of you. We are going to do a giveaway, so sit tight. I know you all entered a raffle on the way in. We have all kinds of prizes to give away. But thank you so much for being here, and thanks for joining us. On the run. On the run. run. Nailed it. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for tuning in to the first live episode of the Alley on the Run show. It was a magical, wonderful day. And yes, there will be more live shows. So make sure you're following me at Alley on the Run 1 on Twitter and Instagram and on the Alley on the Run Facebook page for updates. Thank you again to Weston Hotels and Resorts for making this event possible. Seriously, if you're a runner, you should always be staying at a Weston. I promise they will take such good care of you. Now go make your own big dreams come true. And thanks for joining me on the run.